It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Playback Media production. Guess all the associated links for this podcast at ibroxrocks.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that thinks it is quicker than Lee McCulloch. This week on Heart and Hand, five games undefeated. So welcome to Heart and Hand, my name's David Edgar, I am your host, and I'm joined this week transatlantically, um, coming across the water, in many ways, hands across the barricades in more ways than one, from the Crow Pod, it's Shane Nicholson. Hello David, thanks for having me. No, it's just good to have you on here. Uh, don't be confused by the accent, people who maybe haven't listened to the Crow Pod before, because obviously Shane, we get a lot more listeners than you, do you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't want to kind of boast. <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, just just putting that out there, but it's a fact. But I'm sure you guys will know Shane from his work on the Crow Pod, on the Copeland Road site, and, uh, you know, from from Twitter and various other things. Shane, uh, big Rangers fan, obviously, to put up with this shit. Nobody would would do this if they didn't have to. It's been a big week, Shane. Um, Let's kick off with uh, the appointment of the new manager, and then we'll get to the, the two matches. First things first, what do you think about Stuart McCall? Three months of what we're being told. What what was your first reaction? I mean, it's it's one of the ones. It looks really good to me for the end of the season, which is what we're told the appointment is. Yeah, um, I think it is a good holdover. I think he is someone who can. The first couple matches maybe haven't shown it, but he is someone who can come in and start making some drastic changes in the team. Just because you know maybe he doesn't feel the connection to say a Lee McCulloch who continues to play. Um, I mean, I'm still encouraged by it. I would almost rather we stay down at this point, but that's part of a bigger issue. Um, I don't think we're going to have much choice, (laughs) to be honest. No, no, I mean, unless we get lucky somehow in the uh, the little playoff thing there. But, um, uh, I I mean, you got to imagine that they're actually training now, maybe, you know, for more than a couple hours a week. Um, There probably aren't any ping pong tournaments going on. (laughs) 
uh, karaoke nights after losses, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I, I just imagine it feels a bit more professional, a little bit less, I don't know, just just this little brotherly loving thing that they've had going on for the past couple of years. You know, they actually might have to show up to do a job at Murray Park. Yeah, see, this is the touch on loads of things there that, that I want to get into, and it's difficult with Rangers at the moment to just focus on one thing because there's so many aspects of the club that need to be fixed. But he spoke well, and I know that that sounds a, a silly thing to say. You'd expect that from a new manager, but Ali had alienated the fans over the last couple of years by speaking badly by speaking in a language we didn't like by you know the constant references to disrespect and the constant oh we can't expect to win this and it was nice to hear somebody come in and talk about standards and talk about earning the shot as opposed to I always felt with Ali there was this underlying tone of yeah you you fans you'll complain constantly about everything it doesn't matter and and kind of dismissed us and paid his lip service but but you always got the impression that he thought that the criticism was was a bit daft yeah, I, I mean, that, that was always the thing. I, th- I think you can see it already with McCall, you know, just in the interview um, after the past match, saying that it's unacceptable for us to, 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 to have two draws in this first two games. Yeah. You know, I mean, Allie, Allie, we've just come to expect that, well, it's either going to be the weather or the pitch or the squad or something. I mean, any any myriad list of excuses, and God forbid, like you said, you actually criticize them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, Allie was working under the worst conditions, yeah. that any manager in our club's history has ever worked under, but he was a pretty shitty manager. I think we all know that. Kenny was just a continuation of that, just someone who was the player's friend before he was their boss. So, and did not want to be. I mean, as much of a connection as McCall does have to the club, obviously, it's nice to have someone, you know, like I said, just come in who is here to be the manager, not to be, I don't know, not to be the guy who's got to hold everybody's fucking hand all the time. Yeah. I think that was one of the one of the key things that, that players are by definition football players will look for excuses when things don't go their way because it's a lot easier to do that than to say you know this is down to me having a lack of ability or a lack of professionalism or whatever. Whereas McCall, going back to the to his first match, the Livingston game, Rangers started pretty well. I thought first fifteen twenty minutes got the goal and then people were saying and then they just stopped as if it was a deliberate conscious decision he touched on it afterwards when he said they're not fit and that's what I thought I thought they put everything into that first 20 minutes and gassed I thought that they then you know they they just didn't have a shocking indictment on on the players that against guys who okay are full time I think Livingston but they don't have you know anywhere near the training facilities we have but you don't really need multi-million pound training facilities to have a good core level of fitness. You know, a, a, a pitch in a gym should really should really do that if you've got the time. Yeah, and I, I mean, a lot of that does come back. Obviously, it hasn't been instilled from the coaching standpoint over the past couple of years. I mean, we've seen this every season so far where they come out guns blazing for like the first half dozen, that most dozen games, and then they just get tired. Yeah. They just tired and we see this rolling throughout the season but at some point I mean there has to be professional standards applied to the players where's Jig as the captain saying hey go work out you know Ali might not want us to work out here but maybe we should spend a little you know go for a run go kick a football go do something on your own time you're still a professional footballer you know just 
it'd be the equivalent of when I'm not at work, I just don't care to read the news. Mm -hmm. I only read the news whilst I'm at work because I'm a news guy and that's what I do while I'm here. And then when I leave, I don't have to worry. It doesn't work like that. You know, so I think there is personal responsibility on the players. But again, it's nice to have a manager who may actually instill the fact that, hey, you've got to work on football. You've got to work on your fitness. You have to do things to make you a better football player. Yeah, and I think that, that that's key. I go back to Graham Soon. This was being interviewed over the weekend about you know the, the best te- you know the one of these things that they do pick the best eleven players that you played with or managed or whatever. And he mentioned Richard Goff, and he said the thing about having Goff as a captain was I didn't have to do a lot of that because he did it for me. You know, he went in and yeah. said to them, "You need to do this," and and you could see that in Goff. He had that drive, and a lot of people don't like Richard Goff. A lot of people have dealt with him. You know, a lot of players, and it was because of that single mindedness. And Goff's attitude was, if you don't want what I want, you're no good to me. And I, I can totally understand that. And one of the concerns that comes out of this, the Daily Record ran this article the other day, you know, really poor article, in that it was just a, a master stroke of stating the blindingly obvious. And one of the things that it said was, Stuart McCall needs to get the players fit. Now, here's the thing. You can't get the players fit in a week you can't even I think get them fit before the end of the season for the simple fact is sure we can all say oh I'd love them to be going out doing 20 mile runs and and, you know they deserve it frankly but simple physics and and physiology rather will tell you that if we send the players out on 20 mile runs or whatever or give them kind of pre-season training now they're going to be knackered on match day. That's just a fact. Sure, their, their core fitness will improve over the next you know week or two if you do that, but they will be right. dead in the legs on match day. So it's okay saying they're not fit, but I'm not entirely sure what a manager can do about that. Yeah, I you know like I said, but this comes back to the appointment. I mean, it is just sustained through the end of the season and hope we get some positive results and some positive effort. And, and I mean, what, what, we got 12, 13 players whose contracts are set to expire? Yeah. Hopefully, you've got those guys working to try to earn a job, which means working harder. Um, you know, we've seen some of the younger kids actually getting playing time. We've seen Nicky Clark gasp. You know, Nicky mm-hmm. Clark actually got to play 90 minutes and scored two goals and probably should have had a third. Um, Murdoch's up in the side. You're actually seeing young players on the bench, which means that they're pushing the older players for a position, which means that they're actually going to have to work. Mm. I did, totally. And I think that... get a couple months of that. Yeah, I think that one thing that was noticeable going from the the Levy game to the, to the um, match against... Christ, it was, we play, uh, thank you, Aloha. Should have known that, given the amount of, uh, <laughs> given the amount of. See, the bad results are just piling up, and it's confusing me now. But against Aloha, the performance was actually better. And I know people go, ah, 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 and it is about results now. Totally, we need to to get results. But there was a noticeable improvement in performance. And anyone who says there wasn't isn't being fair. I understand why they're doing that. It's two and a half years worth of frustration coming out now. Stuart McCall might be starting, you know, from last Wednesday, but we're all starting from two and a half years ago really in terms of memory and frustration but they were better they had improved they were trying different things interestingly though there was a a kind of devil and an angel of Stuart McCall here at 1-0 down he changed the tactics he put Templeton on for Zaliukas we went 3-5-2 he put Daly on and Daly caused as I think he can do I don't think Daly can play as a starter as he proved last week he's 
the size of a house for a kickoff, but <laughs> and a decent sized house at that, you know, like a family house, not not just a small apartment, but apartment. You've only been on it. Don't listen to me. Hell, I'll be going on the sidewalk soon. But um, he, he put him on, and, and Daly, because he's got that physical presence, he kind of brought the Aloha defenders back in. Ball started going in. We got two goals. We looked like getting more. So that's the good side. Well done, Stuart McCall. The other side of that is he picked Jig twice, and I mean, the guy is completely and utterly finished. Even if he ever was a good defender, and I don't think he ever was a particularly good defender, he's in a shitty seam of form. I mean, he really is. On top of, I don't think, being a good defender, he's a, a bad defender who's not in form. And, of course, we concede goals, and he needs to be brave. He needs to step up and say to McCulloch, look, you're not going to play anymore because frankly you drag the rest of the team back you've no pace any ball over the top of you is a chance you know this and that's why you sit too deep which forces the rest of the team to sit deep you're a liability yeah it, it really is frustrating there you know you said that part the recipe miss you can't ever play an offside trap you can't ever try to catch anybody out right yeah any ball over the top is going to get beat for pace so actually they don't even have to try to play him you know, to, to beat the trap. I mean, if you're really going to take on Jig in a foot race, you can give him about a three-yard head start. Yeah, you can. And you're still going to do it. So there's no risk to it there. And as you're saying, he has to play so fucking deep, or he feels like he does, mm-hmm. um, that any ball, any through ball that somebody gets on the end of, they're going to be inside the 18-yard box. That's what's happening. Right? I mean, there was uh, the match last week against Queens. The boy missed an absolute sitter. And it was just yeah. a simple chip over the top. Jigs it, um, you know, as you say, he gives him three. And he knows he's not getting back. You can tell by the way he runs that he knows he's not getting back. And uh, should his fate, the boy gets there and should have scored. And it's happening in every match. What you tend to find, I think, at this division, Shane, is that a lot of the guys up front, they've got, you know, nippy wee strikers who aren't very good with the ball. That's why they're playing in the first division as opposed to playing at a higher level. But they are quick. You know, and they yeah. can scurry about and they do work hard. That's one of the, the things that's very noticeable. Dougie Arnott syndrome, I'd call it, where you've got guys who aren't massively talented but understand what they can do, which is harry defenders, which is get on the end of things. And he really struggles, particularly against that. As you say, guys can comfortably give him two, three yards and be confident they're going to beat him. And anyone spinning off him is going to get away. Now, Cammy Bell was back. He did look rusty. Uh, I thought he could have done better at both the goals uh, in the Aloha match. Mm-hmm. Is this a kind of what I call Craig Moore syndrome when somebody's out for a long time and you know the replacement is absolutely gash? The player becomes a sort of better player in your mind while he's away. I mean, I I didn't rate Chris slated me when we signed Bell, kind of like. You know, when I went off on Peralta when we signed him too, I never. Thought I think times proved you right on on the Peralta one. <laughs> I, um, I never thought much of Camry Bell before we signed him. Uh, I think the comparisons to McGregor were absolutely fucking insane. Yeah, that, that's Camry Bell. That's he's never had the looks of a person who's going to start for Scotland for the next ten years. He's never had the looks of somebody who could start for Rangers for these three years. Yeah, um, I think his positioning at times is fucking terrible. He can't organize the defense, and then when you have someone like Jig in front of you who's supposed to be organizing them, uh, it, you know, it just compounds it. Um, no, I, I, I've never been impressed. I mean, I think I think he's the best shot stopper we have, but outside of that, I don't think he's the presence that we need back there. 
because we have such a weak defense, because we, you know, like I said, we don't have that strong leader in the middle. That's his role that falls to the goalkeeper, and he can't do that. No. So I, it's still a position that I'm worried about going forward. Is he competent? Yes. Is he the goalkeeper I want here in three years? Absolutely fucking not. No. The thing that we that we need to remember about that kind of thing is that we have had goalkeepers in the past who were terrific shot stoppers but not confident coming off the line, and Alan McGregor comes to mind as a very, very good, good example of that. But what we had when he was the, the first-choice goalkeeper was first of all Queller and then Bouguera, who were both commanding centre-halves, who were quite happy to go and get the, you know, and, and take command of the ball coming out the box, and Davy Weir as the organiser and sweep it up. So, you know, defender A, Queller or Bouguera, their job is to attack the ball. If they fail, Davy Weir sweeps in behind to get it, and then and only then is it the, res- the responsibility of the goalkeeper. Whereas what you have is, and, you know, there's, it's... Time to beat up on Jig at the moment, and don't get me wrong, I certainly have I've done it and, and you know tweeted a lot of stuff in anger about the guy, but he's not confident as a defender. You can see that, right? And we can talk about his attitude as a captain, uh, you know, which I think is pretty poor, but he's not confident as a defender. So you've basically got a situation where you've got a guy, Zalukas, who doesn't care. I mean, couldn't make it clearer. You know, he, he is yeah. practically smoking. From, from a 20 deck as he walks about the park he couldn't care less Darren McGregor appears to have invested the extra money he's earned from Rangers in a Greg's franchise not not to sell stuff but but merely to <laughs> merely to buy from it the guy is enormous I mean noticeably fatter uh, than than when he was when he started and then you've got Jig there who's the senior man and makes it clear he's a senior man but doesn't want to take the defensive responsibility well, I, but that's what you have when you have a guy. I mean, let's not forget, Jig is still a left winger who has been shoehorned in as a holding midfielder, a central midfielder, a striker, and whatever the fuck else we've ever needed him to be. He's never been a defender, and he never will be a defender. You know, and I mean, you know, like you're saying, you say, you keep running down the list. I mean, Mosny, holy fuck, Foray has forgotten how to play center half because we never use him there. No, that's true. Um, you know, and he looked good. I mean, Foray looked like the competent, aggressive, ball-winning center half at the beginning of last season and and then he got like his six games and then he got shunned out to right back and then he just got left behind no but I think you've you nailed know? it I think you've absolutely nailed it that um, as a defender you can't really switch around because it's so much about position and yeah. it is difficult if you are you know what three years now coming up that Foray's been told he's a right back and in fact I can only really remember him when he's not played right back playing as a holding midfielder in the first season I can't remember him getting a run at centre half and it's a completely different position I don't subscribe at all to this British thing of where you can just shove a centre half out to full back because I think it's a totally different position it requires a different set of core competencies it requires a different fitness level I just think it's a totally different role and Forey has as you say he's forgotten how to be a centre half because he hasn't he's rusty he just doesn't have that so what we've got at the moment is a sort of mismatch of guys who aren't quite sure of what their position is at the moment I thought that McCall tried especially in the Alloa game where he had Shields in the position that I think you would get and Shields actually looked better than he has a guy I think devoid of confidence but he did look a bit better He's trying Walsh, he's trying Law, he's trying people in a load of different positions. Um, he, he needs to be brave about that back four and say, look, barring injuries for the next few weeks, this is the back four. McCulloch isn't a part of it. And, you know, I need you to do this and you to do this and you to do this and just take it from there. 
Um, well, I mean, you have to think, too, he's showing confidence in the youngsters. Hopefully, hopefully, you start seeing players like Halkett and Gasparado and some of these younger guys that can come up that haven't been completely fucked out of their head like Foray and might still remember how to play the damn position. I, I, you know, I that just might keep be able go- to just slot in there. Yeah, I just keep going back to the fact that you know they can't be any worse, and I do mean that because if they come into the team and they play badly, then that's fine because we expect our centre-halves currently to play badly. That has been the pattern, and that has cost them his point. You know, it's, it's obviously, it's been clear for a few months, really, that we're not going up automatically. There's now genuine concern about even making the playoff place, never mind having to face Hibs. We've got Hibs at the weekend. There's no real reason, other than our history, to go into it with any confidence. I mean, we're playing badly, we can't buy a win, and, and Hibs seem to have had our number this season. If, though, by some miracle, McCall can get something from this, is it clutching at straws to say maybe that could be a springboard? No, I, I don't think so, because, I mean, at the end of the day, we still are a fully professional setup um, who haven't had a professional manager. You know, so I mean, maybe they've forgotten how to do their job. So if McCall can come in and instill again that sense of, I mean, it's it's that sense of urgency, that sense of we still have something to accomplish here. Um, yeah, we don't get to go up with the trophy, but we still get to go up. I don't think anybody really gives a shit about collecting that trophy. It doesn't count toward anything. It's not number fifty-five. So um, there's still the squad there. There are still the younger talented players here that we're starting to see um, that we could do it. But, you know, again, it, it, it comes down to making those brave decisions, sitting McCulloch down, not playing Ian Black, not playing Kyle Hutton, getting talented players in there just to win these games. You know, I think Hibs have won 8-9, have they not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is not going to be, that, of course, not going to be an easy matchup, yeah. but... The form has to break at some point. Mm. You know, I mean, we can't keep doing this the rest of the season. So the form does have to break. And when yeah, my concern does, is it breaks into defeats rather than draws. That's, that's yeah, my I mean, concern. You know, the, 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 the players do think, well, at least we're not getting beat. Because they had this culture of look for a positive that morphed into any excuse. That that was a problem. You see managers like in England at the moment, Sean Dyche, the start of the season was a bit of a figure of fun. Brendan Rodgers, and I've certainly slagged Brendan Rodgers for being a bit of a dick, but they, they have this sort of unrelenting positivity. That's okay, because it seems to work for them. What ours morphed into was this sort of vile, excuse-making, warped sort of, ah, well, you know, we kept a clean sheet, or ah, well, we haven't lost for the last five matches. And it, is, it became turd-polishing. But they end up, there, there wasn't any... Uh, and that... that Concerns me. I, I think I think there's one move that could reignite the playing squad, and I hate to say it because Wallace has not played that well, but I think he's lost his drive or impetus to play well. Is to take the armband off Jig and give it to Lee, give it to Wallace um, for the rest of the season, because Jig should not be playing, but, and Lee Wallace yeah. needs something to play for. He needs, he, I mean, this is a guy who's lacked motivation because he knows he could have been playing at a much higher level and he chose to stay here for this shitstorm. Hmm. I, I think that, that Wallace has definitely been 
pulled down. I don't think that there's any there's any debate about that. That, that Wallace, you've you could actually witness over the months his motivation levels starting to sag. And you're right. I think that would be a good thing to say. Right, you're the captain. You're going to be here next season, and you're going to be the captain no matter what division we're in. So come on, see if you can lead the troops. See if you can can push them to the next level. McCall can make these decisions because at the moment he's not going to be there in May. He can do the, you know, and you might as well fail having made your own mistakes than fail having tried to keep everybody sweet. I think the biggest regret McCall might have if you know it goes tits up further and he doesn't get consideration for a post at Ibrox because I still think you could bring in a manager and retain McCall. I think that's a, that's a possibility. Um, you know, be it in charge of the academy or whatever. I think that there's, there's roles there for people. However, um, I think that you have to say to him, look, there's no sacred cows. The, the, the atmosphere, Shane, I don't know if it came across on the TV, but the, the atmosphere at the Allard game was... It, it was odd. I mean, it was bemusing in a way that... It wasn't so much anger as loathing. You know, just, just total hatred from the punters to these guys. It didn't matter. You know, we, we used to kind of categorise fans and say, well... You know, he's a an FF or an internet fan, he's an Uber, you know, he's an old guy, he's a Murray. It was none of that. They're all united that these guys are total wage thieves. These guys don't deserve to be wearing our badge. And McCall doesn't need to worry about upsetting these guys and getting a reaction from the fans, you know, like dropping the star player, because there is no star player. No. No, yeah, I mean who you drop what, Chris Boyd who can't, I mean, Jesus Christ! I know. He couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. He's fucking shocking, and that's and he knows it. You know, I mean, I think that's the sad is to see someone like Boyd who knows that he's earning this wage packet that he probably doesn't deserve. But the problem is he's still surrounded by people like Kenny Miller, who, who every time you hear him open his mouth, he, I mean, gee, you weren't that fucking good in the first place. You shouldn't have been brought back because you don't have any fucking legs. You provide nothing to the team. Yeah, every time I see you in a fucking interview, you're still acting like you're Kenny Miller from 10 years ago. You know, like you're playing at a level far above everybody else. Well, if that's the case, start scoring some fucking... Do something positive when you're on the pitch. I think the problem for Miller is... I'm glad to see... I was so, so, so glad and enthused to see Nicky Clark actually just get to play for 90 minutes. Mm. And it paid off. And it finally paid off. I get the impression McCall likes Clark. I think with with Miller, he's actually... I kind of feel for him a bit because he's in that twilight bit of his brain still telling him to do the right things and his body just will not do it and you're right he is still getting incredibly frustrated um, when it doesn't come off for him and I do worry that Miller thinks it's maybe I'm out of form you're not out of form you're out of career it's gone and it's not coming back sometimes you get there's a great thing in you know, I like MMA and there's a great thing in fighting and, and boxing as well that they say you don't know when a, uh, when a guy's going to get old until he gets old you know yeah. you can see a guy who has great fight great fight great fight great fight fucking gone and it just happens and that I think is what's happened to me. he's just gone and it's not coming back Boyd you're absolutely right he knows it and for the first time I think in his whole career Chris Boyd is, is suffering from a crisis of confidence what isn't helping Boyd is the fact that he's patently unfit People can see that. I mean, there was a, a thing in that record article saying Rangers need to feed Boyd, and I thought, Christ, the last thing he needs is fed. You know, if anything, it's the opposite. But it, it, the point is not that Chris Boyd has been starved of service. 
maybe not as much service as he's had previously, but certainly he's not getting any less than he would have had at Kilmarnock, and he's missing chances. That's the thing. Yeah. He's, he, he should have about 20 in clear-cut chances this season, but see, you've got this situation where Clark is the only one, I think, who, even if he isn't scoring goals, has the energy to contribute. Boyd doesn't. If Boyd's not scoring, it's always been the case. Boyd's not scoring, he's not doing anything. Miller isn't contributing at all because his legs have gone. And Clark, even before he got the two goals, was at least... You know, putting in a shift. So, I mean, for me, it's it's Clark, absolutely, as the first choice striker. And then I would look at the kids and just say, who's confident? You know, who's who's been finishing well in the reserves? Who who fancies that if they get put one and one with a goalkeeper, they're going to put it away and give them a go? Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing we've been saying for you know ever, ever since we started this trek back. So, I mean, hopefully, like I say, I mean, the impetus now is on McCall just to say, you know what, I owe none of you players fucking anything. You're all getting paid anyway, but yep. you're all shit. I'm going to play someone else. Yeah. And just, uh, if nothing else, that can be your legacy, because even if you don't end up staying, if you're the guy who gave player A his, his debut and his break, and player A goes on to, you know, trot up a great career for us, it's something that, Although, you know, it got shot in the legs. Uh, McCoy's could have had that with McLeod. Had McLeod not, of course, been, uh, been sold. Why you make me think about him? That was why the thing. We were at the game last night and uh, we're kind of talking and one of the you know the questions that comes up, the Hardy perennials that comes up is, uh, you know, who's a hero for the kids today? And... Uh, <laughs> The, the common the common refrain was uh, it was McLeod but he's gone and there is nobody else and that's what you need to try and do is, is try and get somebody through you know be it Stoney whoever somebody of that ilk um, to come in and, and in five years time we can look back and say well you know McCall was only here for a short period but look what he did and I'm not writing it off because if we can just start to get a few wins we're right on the line of there's enough time to, to have a go at the at the playoffs. We're right on that line. Another couple of defeats will be too late to get any momentum. It just yeah. the, the, There's just no possibility then. And then he is just going to be playing out the season uh, until the season ends. Now, we are two weeks in to the new board. Um, yes. Now, overall, how's the first two weeks gone? I think it's been good. I mean, it's it's it just feels good to have you know like professional and competent statements coming out. Um, I am still somewhat disappointed in how they handled the situation with Chris um, because I think it opened a door that they didn't want opened, and we've seen it already. Um, you know, we've seen the McGivern stories uh, from the record, which apparently he's not going to be punished for, even though he just made up a story out of whole cloth. Mm. Um, you know, we have the deputy editor from the. Uh, from the Scotsman there, just trolling the hell out of fans with no response. Um, yeah, Tom English and all his just a pile of bullshit that went in on Chris, which didn't line up with his record at all, you know, just based off the Hugh Dallas situation and everything else the fucker's ever said in his career. So I think I can understand Chris's personal decision to resign. Um, and again, and it was a very personal decision for him. I would have liked to see the board be more proactive and say, we know what Chris is. This is why we picked him for the role, and we're going to support him in uh, whatever decision he makes. They didn't do that. And I think the problem that you're going to see now is that, perceived or not, um, when King goes up as far as the fit and proper test, 
what they've done is just open, like I said, they've opened the door for the journalists to just rifle in. And if they're not prepared to go to war, finally, with these people, and, and it's not a matter of picking out publications. It's not a matter of banning the BBC or banning the record or banning whoever. It's, it's a matter of taking on these stories just head on one by one and saying, no, 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 you know, here's the truth. This is what was published. This is why it's bullshit. Um, I, I, I'd like to see more of that. But, I mean, overall, you, you can just tell. I mean, the club's actually being run properly again. And it's, and it's a long transition. This is obviously a very long transition. Not everything is fixed overnight. But just little things that you notice that look right, you know? Yeah. As you say, it's not just about banning or blah, blah. It's changing a climate where a journalist, an actual professional journalist, editor of a respected newspaper, can tweet something like, I see somebody, you know, for those who don't know... There was a guy, Kenny Farkerson, who works for the Scotsman, and what he did was he, he said he saw, going into the Dundee United game, he saw some Dundee United fans singing about being up to their knees in a certain type of blood, which obviously we're not allowed to do in Scotland anymore. And he said they must have been Rangers fans who'd infiltrated it. Now, a climate that allows somebody to say that, take a step back for a moment, this is an intelligent guy, and he clearly thought this, this was his default reaction. He sees someone being offensive in a Dundee United strip going to a Dundee United game and he thinks, must be a Rangers fan. That, you know, this is through the looking glass. We've now reached a situation where we are actually the bogeyman. You know, that we are actually the bogeyman. We are the person who can be blamed for anything, for anything that goes wrong and anything people don't like. That's what the club have to challenge that you have a culture where people can feel comfortable saying that? I think there's there's three avenues to go down here. One I already have. I think that the board did a bad job with the Chris situation, and, and as we're saying, it's, it's going to create bigger problems the way that they handled it. Two, there's a professional responsibility um, of someone like Farkerson or, or whoever it may be, Tom English again. Um, you know, I... I I don't take myself very seriously overall, but I do take the output uh, of my products seriously. Um, and, and I mean, I have a, a duty to, you know, I'm still kind of a dick on Twitter most of the time, but that's because I work for a smaller independent publication. I, I can be. Um, it, it's despicable that, that they feel that they can get away with that. And I think that goes to the, to the third avenue of, you guys have created a culture that, that allows us to persist instead of saying, ah, it's some cunts at the football, you know, trying to wind up the other supporters. Oh, they're, they're, they're bigoted, entrenched people trying to drive out the, you know, I, it's, it's like you're saying, it's across the Rubicon through the looking glass. It is insane. It's crazy because you hear that kind of shit going on all the time at sporting events over here. You know, I mean, you're just trying to wind up the other fans. That's what it is. That's what it is. It doesn't matter what they're saying. It doesn't matter what they're saying. If you keep trying to legislate the police speech, you keep, I mean, every single time you add another word to the list, it just creates a bigger problem. And to the point where you've got a fan sitting in jail four months for singing a song mm. on the street on the way to the football match. I think that, that you know, and I think, again, that goes back to the professional responsibility of someone like Parkerson. It's not a fucking joke. 
It's not a joke. No, that's the thing. You he's know? not meaning it as a joke. He's meaning genuinely. And as I say, this yeah. intelligent professional man who sees a guy, as I say, let, you take a step back here, a guy in a Dundee United top going to a Dundee United game and he does something he doesn't like so he goes, must be Rangers. Now that to me is a sign of your own prejudice. If, if you yeah. just automatically assume if there's somebody doing something you don't like, he must be one of the people you hate. Because that... That's the mindset. That's the mindset that you get with all forms of bigotry. Would you blame a section of society for things that you find offensive? You know, we, we, we quite rightly can't go around and say, I think that, you know, all Celtic fans are this, or I think that all, you know, Aberdeen fans are that. We actually wouldn't do it. We're the victims of this, and we wouldn't do it. And I think that it's really sad um, that that this has been allowed. I go back, you know, I've said this for years, David Murray, with his, his Faustian pack with the press of, you can say what you like about them, don't say anything about me. And that actually double-fucked us because it meant there was no investigation, and I know from personal experience, no support of any criticism of the way Murray was running us. Um, and... And we were getting pilloried constantly as well. So, as I say, we we were, you know, double jeopardy on that one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you have to hope that the response going forward is more professional. I would assume trainer's going to be back. I think I think we could all make that assumption. Yeah. Um, even if it's in, you know, a third-party capacity with his country providing the PR or whatever. Yeah, or I think so. a company providing the PR. Um, and, and, and in that regard, you know, he's not... Yeah, he's made a lot of enemies in the media, but he also knows the current status of the Scottish media, unlike someone like Jack Irvin, who hadn't worked in it for years, and is just an asshole. Yeah. I mean, the guy's just a fucking piece of shit, and he's got all of his little minions. He's got McMurdo, and he's got fucking Phil, and all the other people that he keeps on the leash. Chris McLaughlin, who, once again, once again, I, I love, you know, I approach him with this stuff, and this goes back to the accountability aspect, and this needs to come from the club. This needs to come from the club. I have quotes from editors and co-workers of him, uh, of his, there at the BBC, who say quite clearly that all he just he copies and pays Jack's emails. That the BBC had to make hires just to balance out his level of bullshit. <laughs> you know that Richard Wilson is there specifically to balance out McLaughlin's willingness to just fucking jerk off Irvin. Yeah. And instead of actually answering to that, that he just gets to laugh it off. Well, that's, that, that's one of the long-term problems with the BBC is there's no accountability. I mean, we've said that for years. It's like, um, I saw last week there's a, a, a Celtic supporter who's not mental um, called Lawrence Donegan who actually likes this podcast for some reason. Who, to, to <laughs> actually to defend him saying he's not mental and he says that. Well, he was complaining about sports scene last week, or sports sound rather, and its obsession with Rangers. And he's right. I mean, it is an obsession with Rangers. We know it's a negative obsession, but it is an obsession with Rangers. Um now, other Celtic fans and fans of other clubs, they piled in. They don't like sports sound. We don't like sports sound. Who's it aimed at? What are the criteria for it to be deemed a success? And I go back to this. Chick Young has been polluting our fucking eardrums for 25 years. Nobody likes him. Every single football fan in Scotland thinks Chick Young is a scrotum. So why is he still there? Because the BBC are unaccountable. So why do work? When you can just copy and paste the report, it can be as made up bullshit as you want. There's no comeback on it. Also, there's a climate where you could basically say, you know, Rangers fans have, have grown webbed feet and an extra tit, and people go, have they? You know, and that's the problem. And that kind of journalism, that kind of journalism leads to it. 
Okay, Shane, right, I know that you're like Greg the Hammer Valentine on your pod, you know, it takes you half an hour just to get warmed up, so we're, we're actually coming to the end of this. You've been very, very kind to talk to us today, so here's your chance, get your plugs in. Uh, well, of course, you can, you can always find me on Twitter at Avoid, it's O-F, Void, V-O-I-D. Uh, check out the CopelandRoad.org, you can find us on Twitter at CopelandRoad.org. Um, I don't really have a shit ton of plugs right now. Of course, go check out our Rangers history section uh, that the great Gary Havlin runs. Um, and he's actually got an auction coming up tomorrow, and I can't remember where the hell it is, but we're going to be raising some more money for charity. So uh, I think our total now, when did I start the site? Two and a half years ago, give or take? Um, our total now is around 11,000 pounds that we've raised for charity. So thanks to everybody. I know some of your listeners have obviously helped us out. Uh, so thanks to everybody who's chipped in for all the charitable functions that we've done. And uh, hopefully we'll get the site going in a, I don't know, more hurriedly forward direction we're kind of all treading water because we've been so pissed off for <laughs> you know so damn long now so oh fantastic well thanks for joining us today uh, yeah, all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producer in London Mr Mike Lee Mr Paul Myers our sound engineers Mr Stephen Arnoldi and Mr Charlie Ashworth to remind you you can follow us on Twitter uh, go and see Shane when, when you're there as well but you can follow us at Ibrox Rocks you can email us uh, ibroxrocks at playbackmedia.co.uk or you can join us on the Facebook page just set up for heart and hand my name's David Edgar and I'll talk to you again this time next week cheers bye This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at ibroxrocks.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.